Welcome to Unlock Your Wellbeing, the podcast that teaches you the simple keys to health and happiness so that you can grow as a human being into a well-being. And now here's your host, author, certified wellness coach, mother, and wife, Alicia Leadham. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am really thrilled to have our first guest of 2023. Her name is Rachel Joy. Hello, Rachel. Welcome. She has a special place in my heart because we have gone back uh, a long time. Four years, I think. Four years? Four? I'm coming up to five years in business and we met like within that first ish year. Maybe it's even five years then. I think it might be close to five years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm proud of us. We've on the come a long way. Of excitement because I'm I'm so honored to be your first guest. Yeah, of the year that is. It is. Yeah. Yep, it's a big deal that we're wow. recording it together right now. <laughs> and uh, we were just chatting before um, before hopping on to record this episode for you guys, and we were talking about all of the changes and pivots that happen, you know, in life. And one thing we were talking about was. Uh, what Rachel is really specializing in, in helping um, uh, parents to really transform their own healing and the healing of their their child so that we can kind of break this generational trauma of everything that's happening, um, you know, with healing ourselves from the inside out and, and generational families. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic with Rachel today. Um, but before we start, I have to ask you a question. What's that? <laughs> the name of the show is How Do You Unlock Your Wellbeing? How do you do that for yourself? How do you unlock, how do I unlock my well-being for myself? I think this uh, changes constantly depending on what phase or chapter I'm in within my life. Um, but it really starts with an inventory. You know, what are those inner thoughts that's going on in my mind? Where am I in my current reality compared to where I want to be in my current reality? Because um, that really portrays what type of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are going on inside of your mind. And that's what's going to, you know, what you execute on is what you create in your reality. So if I want a healthy body, for example, then, and my reality isn't showing me that, then chances are there's some thoughts or behaviors which are initiated by my mind, particularly the subconscious that are not supporting me in having that healthy body. Um, Same goes for business, sanity and happiness and mental health. So it really starts with that inventory of who do I want to be today? And am I living up to that level of embodiment, which is beliefs, values, and identity of the version or person of me who resembles that desired result? Mm-hmm. I love that. So if someone wants to, let's let's just use an example of a healthy body. If they want to be a healthier person, um, but they don't feel that with themselves. How would you suggest they start to identify their thought process to uncover their blocks? Acceptance is number one. Okay. So I can see that I'm not where I want to be yet. And where is it that I want to be? So acceptance and clarity, where is it that I want to be? Who is it that I want to be? So I want to be healthy. Okay. Well, what does it mean to be healthy for you? Cause health is something different to every single individual. So for me personally, as we're tra- talking like health is yes, it's a healthy body externally, like the good muscle mass and low body fat or, you know, healthy body fat. Um, but it's also having immense amounts of energy to chase after my toddler and to show up in my work day. It's, um, happiness. It's, it's being able to be fully present in my life. Okay, great. So I have the clarity now. And then what type of person is happy? What type of person has energy? What are the activities or actions that I need to take in my life that will allow me to show up as a healthy or energetic person? Well, I would definitely likely need a minimum of six hours of sleep. I'm a mom with a toddler, which is why I'm saying six, but ideally that would have been eight. If you asked me that question two years ago, um, I'm probably putting very nourishing foods into my body and limiting, you know, fast food, even though I love my drive-through coffee. I've, that's one thing, actually 2023, one of my goals is to be a little more healthier than I have been. Um, so I'm actually limiting my coffee drive-throughs right now. Cause it used to be every day, but I can easily make coffee at home and, you know, put some collagen in it with a little bit of shaga mushrooms and stuff as well to enhance that nourishment. 
Um, so really looking, you trace it backwards is what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. I love that. So really starting with the vision of, well, what am I trying to create as a healthy person yeah. and what behaviors does that healthy person act on? Um, but how, if, if they still like know that and they're not able to step into that, how can they identify like, what are the thoughts around them that, that they're thinking that are preventing them from taking the action of that? Right? Ooh, I feel like this is where your expertise comes in, which is really a practice of mindfulness because we cannot, um, even identify those feelings of like, oh, you know what? I want to create this change, but it's not really sticking. It's hard for us to recognize and notice that it's not really sticking if we're not moving through our day-to-day life with self-awareness and how we cultivate self-awareness is through the process of practicing mindfulness, mindfulness meditations, mindfulness exercises that just allows us to show up in our day a lot more intentionally. And from a calm grounded place, I would say almost like a bird's eye view. You're dissociated a little bit. You can take that second objective of like, watching yourself through life rather than just going through life, um, on autopilot. Mm, yep. I love that. Yeah. That's one of the, the cool things about meditating is you can remove yourself from your thoughts and become like the seer who's seeing yes. the thoughts. Right? Yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The seer who's seeing the thoughts rather yeah. than the feeler who's feeling the thoughts. Yes. And then as you're dissociated from it, then you can recognize it and work through it and not judge it as much because you're not in it. You're kind of seeing it as an outsider, which helps you to identify what that next move is for you with a more clear mind. Yeah. 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 I love that. So tell me what you're, what, um, how you've been like able to teach this kind of work to your toddler. Oh, (laughs) well, here's the thing about parenting and how I've pivoted into this. I've noticed that it's not so much about how do we um, get our kids to listen to us or how do we teach these things to our kids, but more so how do we practice these things for ourselves so that we can be the change and that automatically gets modeled to your children. I'm sure you've already experienced this, like your little girls just turned two. So if you're not seeing it yet, I'm sure you will see it. Tell me, have you seen like how you'll probably be in a conversation with your husband and there's just like a certain lingo word that you guys have or use. And all of a sudden she's probably like repeating it back to you. And you're like, where did this come from? Whenever yeah. I asked Nate, I asked Nate, I'm like, he'll do these little mannerisms or characteristics. Nate's my two and a half year old. Whenever I ask him, I'm like, where did you learn that? He just shrugs and goes, not anybody. I said, like, nobody taught him it because he's right. I'm like, well, you learned it somewhere, but he's right. Nobody taught him it. He just saw it and it was modeled. And so while in, in a way we taught him, it was a more of a subconscious unintentional teaching, but our children are literally walking subconscious sponges between the ages of zero and seven. And they're just taking so much in. So the more you can model that for your child of what it is that you want for them to have, whether it's resilience, calm, happiness, um, for me in particular, it's really around resilience because life happens and it's not about, you know, putting a bandaid all of the, over all those boobies or pretending those boobies never happened. It's a matter of how do you navigate and handle those boobies. Um, so I've learned that it's a much more parent-centric approach. It's not about teaching your kids. It's more about reteaching you and in reteaching and healing you, you intentionally, but unintentionally, like automatically, um, are able to support and heal and change the, the chain reaction of future generations. Yeah. I love this conversation. I think it's so important because I get this a lot with just people observing like, Oh, how did you teach your daughter that? I'm like, well, I didn't teach her (laughs) doing it. Right. Like even recently now she'll, you know, if I'm practicing yoga in front of her, she'll just start doing downward dog. I didn't sit here and say, Malgos, here's how you do a downward dog. Like she just starts <laughs> doing it with me, you know, yep. <laughs> like now she's cooking with me and asking to cook and like stir the, 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 uh, the sourdough together or whatever in the pan, stir her morning eggs together. And that's just straight modeling. Like you're yep. saying. Um, so I think this is really, really important. And how we are consciously parenting in our generation is really remembering like you're going to teach them just by like how you're showing up and how you're leading. Yeah. 
And it's a great thing to ask yourself as well. If there's something going on with your child, you know, what am I resembling in my either language or behavior or even energy? Cause there's unspoken things that we go through that our children can pick up on. Um, so what's resembling in my behavior that could be a reaction of my child. And so an example would be obviously terrible twos is a thing. And so is like teenager threes or horrible threes, whatever it is. Um, and I, Daniel and I always say, Daniel's my husband, we're very blessed to have a very good kid. Like the tantrums haven't been too bad. If he can't get what he wants, he understands why. And then he moves on. Like we're very blessed in that way. And I do think it's because of the work that we practice, which is complete ownership of our nervous system. But -hmm. what I have noticed is when he is, there's sometimes these odd weeks where he's super like tantrumy or super cranky or super, um, rebellious and just isn't listening. And I've noticed a pattern that those weeks where he's not as well-behaved or good listener quotations um, that he typically is, usually Daniel and I, or one of us are more short-tempered in our own life and, or as a result with him. And so now that's the projection that's being poured onto him is that he's the bad kid when he's really a great kid, or that he must've done something wrong because mommy and daddy are losing their patience. When that's not the case at all, we just haven't taken our time to go regulate our nervous system so that we can show up in our relationship with our child to model the way that we want to, you know, react and experience the world with our kid. Right. Yeah. You can't, help your child regulate their nervous system. If your yours isn't regulated yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced that one. Right. <laughs> I don't, I think that like, if you understand, if you really understand this, you're able to sit with it. I saw this on a, on a, um, I think it was an Instagram post months ago, preparing for the, for the, for the twos that were in the stage now. Right. Um, and they, it said something like, your toddler isn't giving you a hard time. Your toddler is having a hard time. Yeah. And so like when she is having a hard time or she's really tired or, you know, just having a hard day, like we all do. I'm like, she's a human being. She's just a little person. She's just having a hard time. She's not giving me a hard time. So I need to, as her mom, right. As the adult, as a parent, be able to help her through that by staying calm myself. Yeah. 100%. And if you don't, then she can not will, but can associate that to feelings of unsafety or uncertainty or like her reality of bigger emotions isn't valid or welcome. And that's how we grow up to be humans who don't want to share our emotions or, um, you know, be vulnerable because we've been taught unintentionally or subconsciously been taught that our feelings aren't safe when at that young vulnerable age where we're still making connections on what reality is and what the world means. Um, how to feel safe in those emotions. I I'm sure many of us grew up in a generation where it was, Oh, be quiet. It's not that bad or stop crying. You cry baby or whatever it might be. It can't be that bad. Or you're not hurt. You don't have a boo-boo, whatever it might've been. Those scenarios um, teach us that whatever we're feeling is not true. And then we start second guessing ourselves as adults. And that's why we have a bunch of adults who are walking around. That's not why, but it contributes to why we have a bunch of adults walking around who have one, the emotional intelligence of a teenager, but two, we don't Mm -hmm. feel like we we feel lack of confidence or lack of self-esteem. We're not certain in our role, in our career or in our marriage, whatever it might be, because there's this real root way down the line of the exact same insecurity, just showing up in a different way. That was the root where it was taught. Yeah. So important. It's like, you can trace that self-doubt of self-trust back to when you were almost learning the way that you could trust yourself or not. And you were essentially learned to not trust yourself, right? Like, oh, I fall, I'm hurt. And then you're told it's okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Well, am I? Because I'm crying. Am I okay? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And then as an adult, like you just said, I'm crying. I'm like, you hear, you know, your upbringing. You're okay. You're okay. Well, am I, or am I just, you know, and then you lose yourself and you're not able to trust yourself and your emotions. So what I'm hearing is this is just so much bigger than like raising our children. Like this is raising the future and really changing, um, 
you know, healing at a, yes. at a conscious yes. level for humanity. <laughs> yes. I, um, I have a new program called transformational parenting and I, it, I, it's in the beta launch. It hasn't started yet. I don't know when this is airing, but it might've started, but point is I, it's titled transformational parenting because it's about taking a parent-centric approach to parenting, which is all about the parent. But in my head, I was like, I think I need to change the name because it doesn't really capture what it's about. Like, yes, it makes you a better parent, but it's really, like you said, it's really about doing your own damn work and recognizing what are those connections that you made in your formative years? What was your relationship like with your parents or primary give or primary caregivers so that you can make sense of your reality today. And then you can heal and change that reality for the components that are not serving you. And in essence, like you said, that then changes literally generations to come, not just your relationship with your child. Right. Like it's, it's really, truly, I mean, this with my heart, like it's changing the world by changing um, how you do things at home. You know, like I just had a recent guest on who's my, uh, my, my acupuncturist nearby. And he is really, really, really centered in his work on, um, on female health because in, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, the woman is the, like the seed of the world, right? Because we are the ones who birth the children who contribute to the world. And so, um, making sure that the woman is healthy, and happy and whole, right? And in their sense of well-being, that's actually going to um, change the world with changing your family and your home. So what I'm saying is we can truly change things around us by changing how we do things uh, in our in our home, which is what I'm hearing. So I think transformational parenting fits. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> We're, we're transforming things on many levels. So you're going <laughs> to transform yourself. You're going to transform your, your child's upbringing, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And their, um, their resilience and coping mechanisms, because it's not about having the perfect child and it's not about having the perfect life either. Like if you want to have, be a parent, who's going to have a kid with the perfect life, like good luck to you. You're probably going to learn a lot of lessons along along the way that it's just not, that's just not how life is. Right. So it's a matter of equipping your little person to have the skills and the emotional intelligence available to them to move through those ups and downs of life. And supporting yourself in that exact same emotional intelligence so that whatever that little person is going through or is doing or saying has absolutely no reflection of who you are as a person. Because oftentimes as parents as well, we get wrapped up in who our kid becomes and what that means about us. If we did a good job as a parent, or if we didn't, or if we failed them because they did this horrible thing, or if they didn't do this amazing thing, whatever it might be. And that's that's not the case. It's to be able to have the emotional intelligence available to recognize that you are here to be a teacher and they too are a teacher to you. And each projection of each individual's reality is exactly that, their own reality. And it doesn't mean anything about you and vice versa. Like that goes both ways. Yeah. I think that's like the most important thing ever um, that you just said. And I learned really, um, becoming a mom helps you really see that, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's one thing to think that before you're a parent, but then once you become a parent, you're just like, okay, I've heard this. And now I really can like believe this and like embody this of, of not needing her to, or him, you know, to turn out into a certain way, because that's not a reflection on me. Like we're really here to like help each other and, and guide each other and, and learn from each other. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. How would you, um, what would you say to someone who feels like they have so much going on in their lives as a working parent, running a business, you know, full-time job, they have a couple kids at home trying to juggle it all right now. How can they feel like they can say, okay, and now I'm going to change my trans, my, my parenting. Like how can <laughs> we, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Uh, two things came to mind. Uh, so the first word that came to mind when you were like saying, how would you do this? Um, wasn't a word actually, it's a few words, but nervous system regulation, like you need to be regulated in your emotions and your body and your mind so that you can show up to the capacity that you need to show up for your life and your children. And then the second thing that came to mind, which really kind of intertwines with that is that your children are depending on you. Like you kind of have no choice. If you want a happy, healthy, successful, um, you know, quotation easy. And I mean, easy as in it's a well-loved, it's a well-lived, it's a, it's got harmony to it despite life's challenges. Um, you're going to have to show up in that capacity. You don't have a choice. Totally. What are your favorite ways to regulate your nervous system? Okay. So um, very, very first one is three minutes of shaking, somatic stomping and shaking just for three minutes. That's all you need to do. Mm -hmm. I'll usually put on like a high vibe song um, to turn it into like a little bit of a dance. And by the end of it, I'm having fun. Uh, You give it a shot, find Florence and the machine, shake it off, except do like a remix version. So you're literally like shaking. Ooh, that's a good idea. It's so fun. I love it. Um, And then another one, which is super easy, which I've been doing um, in like the car or on the go when I'm just don't have a lot of time is to take your finger and just rub it around your lips as if you're putting on lip balm that supports you in regulating your nervous system as well. And it's something that's so like quick and easy. Nobody even knows. Um, And then another one that I've been working on lately, like I go through in and out different techniques. One for me personally right now is using my voice. So like humming and chanting. Um, which also activates the polyvagal or strengthens your polyvagal tone, I should say. Um, and it's also related to the throat chakra. And I have a thing here with my throat chakra sometimes um, because I have thyroid issues and I'm also a coach and a speaker. And whenever I'm feeling a little bit small or sh- like I'm shrinking in my power, it's always this area that goes for me. So doing a lot of humming and chanting lately for me. Mm. I love those three. I like that they are um, practical ones that you can do really fast. Yes. Well, that's the thing. We don't want to be sitting here on our meditation pillow for an hour to 90 minutes a day chanting chants that we hope are going to work. And I'm not disregarding any chance because I love chanting and meditating, but sometimes we just don't have that time, especially as parents. So it has to be quick and actionable and in the moment. And that's all you need to just flip the switch on your, your nervous system. We're in a way, electrical, energetic beings. And we just got to exactly that flip the switch. Like, okay, let's just jumpstart it. Or let's just turn it down a little. Let's give it that energetic balance is what we're needing. And by doing those practices, we can find that balance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Super important to understand how to, how to regulate. Um, and I think it's equally important to know when you're dysregulated, like mm. understanding that because, you know, yeah. our listeners know, like in, in my work, um, the foundation of everything we do is helping you understand how to regulate your nervous system because the, the biggest key to success is knowing how to actively relax is a yes. regulate. Yeah. Right. Um, and so knowing how to do it is, um, one way, right. One step, but knowing when you're dysregulated, I think is the first step. So what would you say are, are key indicators that you are dysregulated? So whether you're noticing you're dysregulated or not, I recommend this as a practice that we should be doing every day to manage our nervous system and just support ourselves in that way, because, On a day-to-day basis, we enter into fight or flight or the stress zone multiple times a day without even realizing it. So you're like, how do we realize it? When I say we're not without even realizing it, like a very small example that's coming to mind now is doing one task on my computer, but then I get a notification on Instagram that someone's DM'd me. So I quickly change tasks to answer that, that message. And then I go back here. That message wasn't urgent, but my stress response decided that it was urgent enough for me to do that task right then and there. So a simple task of juggling tasks or a simple action of juggling tasks can show up as a stress stress response. I'm not saying it is, but it can. So how do you notice that? Like you were saying, Um, notice what's going on for you in your body. When I'm stressed or when I am dysregulated, I will often stop breathing. Like I'll hold my breath or I'll take like, I'll hold my breath to the point where like I don't breathe in. And then I have to take like a big sign and be like, 
oftentimes I'll sign my husband's like, what's wrong? Like, are you mad? I'm like, no, like I didn't even, I didn't even notice I was sighing. Like it took me a minute. Someone had to recognize that this girl's sighing. What's up with her? <laughs> but it was me who stopped breathing because I was in a stress response. Um, so notice what's going on in your body. Is it feeling tight? Are you, is, are you breathing properly? Is there any tension anywhere? Um, is there any vibrations even anywhere? Everyone feels within their body differently and uniquely, right? So notice what's in your body. Notice what's in your mind. Is it very peaceful and calm or are there a million thoughts? Are there a million thoughts that are really excited? Or are there a million thoughts that are very dark and grim? Even a million thoughts that are really excited is still a dysregulated place. It's not all about feeling morose and sad for where you're at or your future or stress. You can be dysregulated in both an up place and a down place. It's just in how we manage that, um, manage the dysregulation in our system. Um, so notice what's going on in your body and your thoughts. And that starts with, I would say, again, the meditation and mindfulness comes into play, the self-awareness. There's a pattern here um, <laughs> because the more you do that, the easier it is to, to be able to catch yourself. Um, but you can also catch yourself in a moment, like a practice I like to do is imagine a thermometer and at the bottom of the thermometer is like complete peace. And then like at the top where it gets really hot. So we're moving up the scale. So we got like peace, grounded, harmony, joy, love. And then we move from like love to like, I don't know, neutrality and then neutrality to like, um, confusion or confusion to hopelessness, hopelessness to doubt, and then doubt to like uh, frustration, frustration to anger. And as you're moving up the thermometer, the thermometer, like a really old school bulb one, it gets more and more red because you're getting more and more heated. That's a way for you to kind of gauge where you're at on like, where am I on the thermometer today? Am I down here or in nice and cool quotations or am I getting heated? And when you're in exchange with your child, and they're not doing what it is that you want them to do. What's going on on that scale of the thermometer? Are you staying in this cool zone or are you getting more and more heated till you're about to blow your top off? If you're about to blow your top off, one, you have to recognize that through implementing this process. And if you need to, you could even take like an image of a thermometer and like paste it in a room, whichever room you're in most, just as a physical reminder. Um, but like notice that and then take a moment for yourself. If you don't take that moment for yourself, you're actually going to cause more harm to your loved ones than if you didn't. So you take a moment. It takes literally three minutes to shake or one minute to just go like this, putting your fingers around your lips. And then you come back. And if it wasn't the case of being a parent, you say, hey, honey, you know, mommy was feeling blank. This is why. How are you feeling? Can we talk about it? Or do we need to talk about it? Like assess their emotions through it as well. Um you won't always be able to do that right, right after though. Usually there has to be a cool down period, just like when there's conflict in a marriage, right? They always say like, don't talk about it before bed and don't talk about it in the heat of the moment either, because we know that you're in a dysregulated place to, to do that. So that's not going to be beneficial. Yeah. I love the visual of, uh, the thermometer. I think that that can really help people, um, see where they're at. Right. Yeah. And like, okay, that visual helps. Like maybe I am, maybe I'm not, I get it. Right. Because sometimes in my experience, people are living most of their lives primarily from, you know, up here. Yep. Right. And so that's just so normal and common that they don't even realize or recognize that they're up there. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. So I think that this, this work of really just self-awareness and the mindfulness, right. Which is being mindful of your, how you're feeling in your body, being mindful of, are you in the present moment? Are you in the present moment in your mind, but your body feels elsewhere? Like I always tell clients, that's when you feel like, I just don't even feel like I'm in my body right now, or I've been working all day, right. You're trying to get what you need done with work and you realize you've barely gotten up from your desk. Yeah. Okay. We're dysregulated. And so that's, <laughs> that's really helpful awareness of just like, okay, maybe we start with improving your level of self-awareness and yeah. gauging where you're at on that thermometer. So that with the intention of, you know, feeling better yourself, but bringing that, that work 
for your, your child or children. And I love how you use the desk example, because that's such a real life example for me. I find we are just like our children, our children, especially if they're young, need what you call transition time. You know, they need to know what's coming next and they need that time in between to go from one task to the other or one place to the other so that they can regulate in between those instances and not overload their system. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that if I've been sitting at my desk all day and then come three o'clock, my husband and I will both hop in the car and we'll go pick up my son from school together. Some days I'm back to back to back. It's rare, but sometimes I'm back to back on calls. And then I finish my last call at three 30 on the dot. I'm running out of here down into the car to go get Nate on time. Those days in the car, Daniel was be saying something totally unimportant, but because I didn't have my transition time, I am reacting to him in a completely different way that if I had either had transition time or maybe lightened my load a little bit less that day and took in like, I don't know, two less the amount of calls that I could have more space in my day to regulate my nervous system. Yes, this is important. So what, how do you transition yourself then after long work days before you go pick up Nate? So I will try to finish up all of my calls, um, 30 minutes before I actually have to leave the house. That Mm -hmm. way I have the last 30 to wrap up any loose ends and emails, whatever it might be like small little things that make me feel complete in my work day. Otherwise I'll be having it running in my mind all night. Like, Oh, I just, let me just get, let me just go do that while dinner's cooking. Or I just can't wait till Nate goes down to bed so I can send off that one email or finish that one project that I'm so excited about. So I leave a gap for me to wrap up my actual work day. And then, um, most days Daniel and I will pick Nate up together. So honestly, it's something as small as just enjoying the conversation with each other um, on our way to get him. And if we have the time, we'll grab a coffee along the way as well. I love that. I think the self-awareness of knowing that you need that time from ending work to going to pick him up is really powerful. And I think that, you know, for, for our listeners at the end of your work day, how can you decide on or choose a transitional, you know, self-regulating ritual or habit or experience, you yeah. know, that you can anchor into before you go and do the parenting thing for the rest of the night, right? <laughs> it could be as simple as like taking three deep breaths at your desk before you exit and just, you know, like saying thank you for a fantastic work day or mm-hmm. getting outside and just taking a quick five minute walk. Like it doesn't have to be this big subconscious reprogramming or nervous system regulation tactic or skill type of thing. Yeah, for sure. I do the same thing. I mean, I work at home and, um, uh, my daughter and Michael, my husband, they're here in the house together too. So sometimes she knows she can just walk in. And when I, cause I work in the afternoons, right. And so when my work day is kind of wrapping up, she'll know her own nervous system knows that mommy's finishing up. It's time for me to go down and, you know, mm-hmm. knock, knock <laughs> on the door. So I tried to make sure that I get done a little bit beforehand. And some of my favorite things to do are go ground outside. So I'll go in my backyard and touch the, literally touch the earth. So it's grounding. It takes 30 seconds, you know, for you to regulate through that. Um, If I have given myself enough time, I like to meditate, kind of clear it out. Um, Or I'll journal down a few things, like three great things that happened during my work time that day, or three things that I'm grateful for that happened so that I can just shut it down, take a few breaths and then go into it. Right. Because like you, I noticed like, and there are many times when I don't do it. Okay. (laughs) And on those times I'm like trying to get everything I can done in my work session. And then I'll go and start making dinner. And she's, you know, Michael's asking me questions, Melrose is, and I am not regulated and I can snap easier and just feeling overwhelmed. And I find myself taking lots of deep breaths and (laughs) thighs. So you're like Like, me. (laughs) I'm chopping the onions, you know, (laughs) trying to get it done as fast as I can. Um, but those things, but those things happen, like you said, right? It's resilience yeah. and life. But the more we're aware of how often those happen, how can we minimize how often they happen and not make that be the norm, essentially? Are you asking me how can we minimize them? Yeah. Uh, it's literally just consistent practice because the more you practice this, the more you end up embodying that. Like your subconscious mind loves repetition. 
And there's such a thing as neuroplasticity, as I know, you know, right? So the more we practice something, the more we become and master that very thing. So, you know, at the very beginning, it might be a little bit of willpower. It might be, you know, putting on a reminder to do your midday regulation practice. It might be putting in a schedule that you're going to go to the gym this day, this day, this day, making sure that you have childcare setups that you make sure it happens. Um, But eventually you will become that person. And if you're somebody like me, you want the faster, easier route. Yes, you can willpower your way there and supercharge it with hypnotherapy or other subconscious reprogramming techniques that will just support you in stepping into that identity a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know you've done a lot of work with NLP. Yes. Um, I freaking love, so one of my like regulation tools, I guess you could say, and it's not even regulation, but more embodiment and identity work that I do is transition day. Okay. Done. Go into mommy mode. End of night. One of my regular things is putting on a hypnosis track. Um, I absolutely love hypnotherapy for success and also sleep. Actually, sometimes when I'm in that really heightened state and I just Sometimes you're not always going to be regulated, no matter how hard you try, life just happens, right? Mm -hmm. So for those nights, I like doing a sleep hypnosis, but essentially um, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy are very powerful modalities for subconscious reprogramming. Your subconscious is responsible for 95 to 99% of all thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So when you think about that, we are running on autopilot almost all day, every day. And we're going to repeat the same patterns, the same behaviors, the same thought processes based upon the values that we've adopted in our life, based upon the identity that we've subscribed to throughout our life, unless you intentionally decide to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to subscribe to that anymore. That doesn't really serve me. I want new patterns. I want new behaviors. I want to feel differently about myself. I want to value X, Y, Z in a new light. And I want to see myself as this person instead of that person. And so you can use tools like hypnotherapy, which is a tool that works on the subconscious level to support you in stepping into that. And all hypnotherapy really is, is what we call trance. So we get you into a state of of trance, which is a really relaxed state. You're still coherent. You're still fully in control. We always say all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And um, when you're in that relaxed state, your critical faculty comes down and your critical faculty is almost like the gatekeeper at your mind of your conscious and subconscious mind being like, no, you can't come in. I don't believe that belief. You're not allowed in this in my world or yeah, I totally believe that you can come through the door. And so oftentimes when we're awake, alert, conscious, not in a trance, like relaxed state, that guard is up. And if you want to believe that you're so incredibly worthy but deep down you don't because of prior experiences, the gatekeeper is going to be like, nah, Rachel, you are definitely not worthy, not accepting that affirmation. But if you were in a relaxed state where the, subcon- the subconscious is now active and most susceptible, the critical faculty, the gatekeeper has come down and is much more open with loving arms. And that affirmation was feeded to you because it's something that you truly want to adopt, embody, and believe the gatekeeper will be like, okay, you can come through. And then subconscious will receive that and therefore reprogram it. So that's how you can explain hypnotherapy in a nutshell. I love that. So when is the best time of day to listen to a a hypno track? Is it right before bed? Either first thing in the morning or right before bed, whatever works for you. I mean, if you're busy and like, I always tell my clients, just get it done. It doesn't matter what time of day when they're first starting because like done is better than not at all. Ideally though, first thing in the morning or uh, as you're falling asleep, going to sleep, because first right before you go to bed and first thing in the morning is when your subconscious is most malleable. It hasn't like woken up to the alerts of social media and the day-to-day stresses that we were talking about in this entire episode. So ideally first thing in the morning or as you're going to sleep. I love that. Where can people find like a a track? Like if they want to start listening to one, how could they get started? Um, I have a few on my website actually that are pre-recorded mm-hmm. on various different things. My most popular ones are my money mindset bundle. And then I also have one called confident coach hypnosis bundle. I specialize for the most part in um, training coaches. So 
that one is most relevant for my audience. I do have other ones like stepping into your most high vibe day, manifesting your dreams, a little more general as well. You can find them all on my website, um, which is www.therachelljoy.com. I know you'll post links below as well. Yeah. Yeah. Have, well, we'll put the direct links to, um, some of those tracks. Cause I think some people would be interested in, uh, listening, especially yeah. with just having a great day. I mean, everyone wants better money mindset. So for sure, love. I actually it. have a parenting hypnosis bundle coming out soon. I'm working on okay. it right now. There so. we go. Yeah. That's the one you should be getting. So there it's all coming. It's all coming. Yes. <laughs> So I want to shift into you, ask you some, they're kind of fire like questions, but just yeah. to get to know you a little bit more. Um, okay. Are you ready? Go for it. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh, what is the best piece of advice I've ever received? I don't know why this is always the one I go to. It's more inspirational than best advice, but, uh, the transformation is in the yes which is one of my logos, as you know, it's become like my <laughs> mantra for my business. And that is that like the minute you say yes to whatever it is that you deeply desire, even if you're absolutely terrified of what it might take to receive that desire, um, is the minute that you step into that level of identity of who you need to become in order to get that thing. So automatically by saying yes, it initiates and starts that process of getting that thing that you deeply desire. Hmm. Love it. What's the most important mistake you've made in your life and what did you learn from it? Hmm. Most important mistake I've learned in my life. I mean, I don't know if this is a mistake, but more of a pattern of mine. And that is that I used to be such an anxious person that I would be afraid of everyone and everything. When I started my healing journey and diving more into the coaching world, I witnessed that and I was like, oh, I rely on certainty way too much. I got to start valuing uncertainty and variety a bit more. And so I actually have become, it's been a, become a part of my identity. I'm very high risk adverse. Like I will take the risks. I will like, no matter how risky it is, I put myself in really risky um, situations in relation to business, really risky financial investments and positions that most people logically wouldn't take. And while many of those investments and decisions have hurt me at one point in time, I have learned from every single one, like the situations I put myself in oftentimes will literally many times bring me to my knees so that I have but no choice but to literally rise and rebirth myself again. And every time that I do that, I become this next level, even better, even happier, more aligned version of me. So the mistake is that I take really big risks that make me fall, but I've also cultivated a lot of resiliency and resourcefulness through those. Hmm. So how do you continue to allow yourself to take big risks if you feel like you know, you've fallen so often, how can you step into that resilience and like, all right, let's do it again. Uh, you know, that's become harder as well, because now that I'm a mom, there's more on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel like I can't afford to risk it in the way that I used to. Um, but it's really just this soul calling like this intuition, like my intuition is just like, you need to do this no matter how afraid you are. Like, I always ask myself, what's the worst case scenario? And am I willing to live with that result? If that's the case, is that something that I feel that I can truly handle and come back from? And the answer is always yes. And I don't know if that's just a part of my identity of who I am or because I've already cultivated so much resiliency throughout my life, but I always just recognize end result. Okay. Not ideal but I can handle it. So let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important to ask yourself the worst case scenario. Um, because then it, you, when you voice it and you label it, then it, you realize it's usually not that bad or here's what happens a lot. That I see it's already your current reality. So mm -hmm. if the worst case scenario is what you're currently doing, then is it the worst case scenario? <laughs> no, you got nothing left to lose. You might as well yeah, go for it. Exactly. So, I mean, I can relate to that because that's how I've made a lot of my decisions and life, big life decisions of like, 
okay, it's the worst case. I move back here and I do this job, then I'm already doing that. So yeah, I'm going to try the other thing. Right. Um, so I think that's really helpful. I love that. And resilience is a really hot topic that we, um, that we talk about. And that is a really hot topic in general in the workforce of people trying to rise above these past few years, you know, mm-hmm. and handle all of the trauma and uncertainty and anxieties of the past few years. So I think, um, what would you say with how to embrace being, um, resilient from everything we've all experienced collectively since 2020? Oh, I mean, I feel like we're going in circles, but I'm like, how do you embrace being resilient? It's like regulating your nervous system. Like you can accept it or you can fight it. And in either reaction, either you're fighting it, you're definitely gonna be even more dysregulated. You're gonna have more pain, less freedom, less harmony in your life. And if you accept it, your reality doesn't necessarily change, but you open up space for more opportunities for solutions that can can arise. Mm -hmm. And when you're practicing regular nervous system regulation, you can then witness those solutions that are coming your way and be like, oh, that's the next thing that I need to do. Or you know what? I'm not feeling happy in my circumstance. I feel a little bit on wobbly ground, but I can handle this because I'm not in a heightened state of activation where I'm not thinking clearly or I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel in order to make an aligned decision. Yeah, totally. I think we're all have frazzled nervous systems after the last (laughs) few years. So we all have to are continuing to work extra hard to make sure that we're especially regulated in our day-to-day right now, you know? Yeah. And that's a global conversation that I'm noticing is happening. Like yeah, nervous system regulation is just like the hot topic lately. And it's because of exactly what you just said. Yeah. I think it's, I think more people are just more open to it of like, listen, I cannot feel the way that I felt the last few years anymore. What do I need to do? Yeah. Okay. Nervous system. I don't, that scares me, but tell me more. I don't know what that means, but I'll do the things. And if there's a result, I'll keep doing it. Exactly. Right. Like even like corporate is, is open to this now. Right. Whereas before they're like, Oh, if you say nervous system, you're going to lose people. But now it's like, (laughs) Oh, they're like, okay, I need to manage my stress. I need to prevent burnout. I need to overcome it. What do I need to do? We're going to, we're going to teach you how to regulate and relax on purpose. Right. So super important conversation. Okay. Next question. What's one thing you do? What's the first thing you do in the morning or evening that helps you improve your quality of life? Mm, Great question. So, uh, first thing at night is my hypnosis. That's more consistent than my morning routine lately because morning routine usually gets interrupted by Nate in some capacity. Um, but in the morning I will also go to the gym after school drop-off. So that's like my morning thing is gym and meditation evening. I'm doing hypnotherapy. What hypnotherapy are you kind of doing right now? I will change on, um, depending on like what my mood is. So the past few ones has been sleep as expressed before we've pressed play. I am mm-hmm. sleep deprived because my toddler has not been sleeping through the night since he got his big boy bed. Um, but it's usually a sleep or a money mindset abundance type of uh, hypnotherapy track. Love it. Okay. Last one. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? <sighs> the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by <gasps> Deepak Chopra. Love that one. A little pocketbook. It's so good, right? It's, it's so, so small, good. but so fast and easy. And it really opened up my mind to what success looks like and how easy it can be to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was first starting my business, it was just one of those books that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite law from it? I'm like, can I choose all of them? I know. Um, you have to choose one. <laughs> I have to choose one. So the one that came to mind this time, which is interesting because it's not usually the one is the law of Dharma, but maybe that's because I'm really living in my purpose now come to think of it oh. with this, like pivot, it's that's probably what it is. I love that right now. The one that's coming to me is the law of detachment. That's the one that I usually like love. Cause I'm like, oh my God, this is why my manifestations aren't happening is cause I'm totally attached to the outcome. Uh-huh. But yeah, the law of Dharma. Love <gasps> 
So good. Yeah. You guys should totally check out that book. It's a really short, powerful read by Deepak Chopra. I think I've talked about him on the show before, but um, yeah, he's going to drop some truths on what success is and how you can achieve it through the spiritual laws, the seven of them that he wrote about. I think he wrote it in the nineties and it's like still top book or something. Not surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Spirituality doesn't really go out of fashion. The laws are the laws. They've always existed. You just got to absorb them. Right. I love that. The laws are the laws. Sorry. (laughs) So good. So tell us more about, um, when we can expect information on your transformational parenting course. Tell us about where we can connect with you. All of All the things. your things. Yes. Okay. Um, if you would love to join me on taking a parent-centric approach to parenting and really um, connecting deeper with yourself and your inner child and the formative years of your life and how they shaped who you are today and how that will continue to shape your generations and the legacy that you create for your family. Um, transformational parenting is the place for you to be. It is a 12 week group coaching program. I do do this work in a one-on-one setting as well, but I'm, I just feel like parents need to connect with like-minded people as well. So I decided to put it in a group format. Um, that's out on my website. You can find it in the link below as you're listening to this. Um, and then other links and places and happenings. One of my favorite things is after listening to a podcast episode where you hear me chatting with you and hanging out is to land in my DMs and just say, hey, I watched this. Like, I really loved when you said this. It resonated with me. I want to know how this conversation with Alicia and I is impacting you. So you can reach me on Instagram um, at official.houseofjoy. Um, and then on LinkedIn, I'm the Rachel joy. Um, so linkedin.com forward slash the Rachel joy. Um, there might even be a one in there. I'm new to LinkedIn. I'm figuring it out still, but my links will be below in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. We talk about LinkedIn almost. I literally think every episode here. So our listeners, if you're a regular listener, you will know. And if you're a regular, find me on uh, LinkedIn and then show me the ropes because I'm still learning. (laughs) I think it's just such an underrated social media platform. I really do. So awesome. We'll have all those links below for everyone to uh, check out. But thank you so much for being on here today and doing this really important work that um, we need and and leading by example. And I'm really proud of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. How do you? All right, you guys. Be sure to subscribe. We'll see you at the next episode. We have a new one every Friday morning for y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye.